0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We're joined this morning by uh, broadcaster Joe O'Shea and journalist Jen Hogan to look at the big stories of the week. And Joe, I'll start to you. The, the one that seems to be causing the most consternation is the amount of profit that the ESB is making. 390 million euro after tax. The bit that I don't get, though, in all of this is... The ESB is essentially totally state-owned. So that's money that goes straight back into the state coffers and can be used to give tax breaks for energy. So does it matter?
1: Well, I think the ESB, their argument is that the money money doesn't go straight back into the kind of general tax-taking pot. That what they do is they take their profits and they invest them in infrastructure. They invest them in uh, new green energy, you know, research development, that kind of thing, uh, improving the system, basically. That's their argument. I mean, if, if you're a, a hard-pressed householder or a businessman and you see the ESB, you know, trebles their profits to 390 million in the first half of this year. You, you can imagine what's going to happen in the second half with, the, you know, the winter coming in, autumn coming in, people using more energy. It's uh, quite bizarre. And uh, from corp.io.ie uh, in Cork that I edit, we've done three stories this week about two businesses, or three businesses, that are, are, that are basically saying they're going to close because they can't afford to go through the winter. They can't afford their power bills. We have Cork City Council is going to, is considering making Cork City Hall and 10 libraries across the city heat hubs, uh, which are basically uh, places where people can go and stay warm because they can't afford to heat their homes this Christmas or sorry this, this winter. And what we've been doing is we've been looking, we're almost sailing towards this giant iceberg that we've been looking at since, really since the start of the summer when uh, Borgash, which is owned by Centrica, not by the Irish public, owned by Centrica, British um, energy giant, announced a uh, 74% increase in profits. Now, we've seen Leo Varadkar uh, yesterday or yesterday evening finally come out and say, well, we're going to look at bringing some of what the, the ESB uh, extra profits, windfall profits, we're going to look at bringing some of them into the general system so we can you know, uh, give businesses and homeowners a break. But these are extraordinary times we're living in. We need extraordinary measures. And what the government is doing is, again, like with housing, refusing to intervene in the market, standing on the sidelines and going, well, we'll we might do this, we might do that, we'll do these small things. So it's just...
0: But have you a sense of, because any time the market intervention gets discussed, the things that people will say is, it is an extraordinarily complicated, multifaceted market into which you would be attempting to intervene. So what is it they should be doing?
1: Well, the French are managing to do it and to do it well. The Germans are also coming up with a lot of different proposals, even looking at cutting down on energy use for, you know, in in cities, in towns. The, what the what the Irish government could do, of course, is work closer and work more urgently with the EU, because the EU is making big moves on this, you know, at a European level to try and you know bring some sort of relief to to homes and businesses. There are other countries that are doing a lot. And what I'm saying is, the, what we're seeing in Ireland seems to be a sort of, again, we can't interfere with the markets. The markets will sort it out. It's too complicated. There's nothing we can do. It's been proved that there is lots we can do.
0: Jen, if the, the lots that is available for us to do isn't done, it looks like it's going to be a bleak winter for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, very much so. I was I was speaking to parents about this in particular for a column I was writing for the Irish Times, and... Very much after just back to school we had recently and the huge crippling costs that were there, the parents are still very much feeling the hangover of. Um, they're they're really really worried going in. Ordinary families really worried about how we're facing into the winter. Parents telling me that they're they're not sleeping, they're struggling, um, they're struggling to afford basics, having to cut down on things at home. They're having to make sacrifices everywhere else. I'm wondering how they're going to meet bills. A choice, it's going to come perhaps to a choice between heating and eating this winter, and and that's a really scary thing because it seems to be affecting people. At across the across the board um, this year and, and I suppose that it's it's the worry as well about what's to come the worry that as bad as things are now it's only going to get bleaker and bleaker if we don't if we don't actually take some action and there isn't some sort of substantial well, relief see, for parents th- this and families. That thing
0: of the relief is the bit that I can't I, mm-hmm. I struggle to get my head around the numbers involved so let's say let's say you're earning 30,000 euro mm. a year the rate of inflation will have dropped your real spending power by about three grand straight mm-hmm. away If you have a mortgage, you're likely to be looking at another maybe one to two thousand euro of extra mortgage bills because the interest rate hikes, and then you add in the energy cost. Right when you net all that off, families could be looking at six, seven, eight thousand euro of extra expenditure. None of the proposed supports that
2: I've seen come anywhere near those kind of scale. And that's what that's what people are reporting back to me. They don't they don't actually know where the money is going to come from because there aren't proposals that are likely to. to come anywhere close to meeting the extra demand on families they don't have savings to fall back on they don't lots of people are on very fi- are on fixed incomes there is no flexibility there is no no options for them and so they are facing into the winter with absolute a sense of absolute dread
0: and of course the other thing joe yeah, is that they have very limited capacity to limit their own consumption because you still have to wash clothes you yeah. still have to have some lights yeah. on you still have to heat your yeah. house
1: I know, and I think um, our, our family here, like a lot of families, we're, we're kind of thinking, you know, is it okay to use the toaster? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it okay to use the microwave? Which is more expensive, boiling a kettle of water or, or heating up a, a pot of water on the stove? It's getting to that, to that stage. It's worth pointing out that Liz Truss, you know, the new PM in, in the UK, who was, you know, running on the thing, we, we will not intervene. We don't believe in handouts. The energy companies have to be they have decided an an extraordinary intervention for a a right-wing conservative government, probably around £100 billion uh, of taxpayers' money direct to the energy markets to peg people's bills at £2,500 sterling. So, I mean, if if a a vowedly right-wing Tory government can go on this massive intervention to try and help people and businesses over the winter, Surely our own government can Although the, the irony
0: more. of that, Joe, of course, is that part of the yeah. reason I suspect that they have the capacity to do that is because they got Brexit done. They are unhampered by EU state support law.
1: Well, you know, that, 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 there's also the argument that there's a lot they, that they haven't been able to do because the French who are, you know, in, within obviously the European Union have been able to do a lot more and to do a lot more earlier partly because they have a nationalized energy system, you know. It's Brexit, I think, is a bit of a red herring in this. We're all dealing with it. All countries are dealing with the same international energy markets. And of course, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all if the Russians hadn't launched a brutal uh,
0: uh, no, invasion Joe, they, of Ukraine. They are, but they aren't. Like, if you're in France, you have a lot of nuclear power stations and you've got your yeah. own domestic generation. If you're in Ireland, you are yeah. desperately dependent on electricity and gas interconnectors through the UK. Yes. We don't have a nuclear plant we can flip a switch on.
1: No, we don't. Um, But you know what this will also do in the long term? It will definitely start the conversation about, you know, our dependence on fossil fuels. And living in a country where solar power is a great possibility and that has been shown and we have massive solar power farms in Cork and more coming along online. There there was a report done recently that we could be on wind energy alone. Within 10 years, we could be generating as much wind energy as Germany, France and Britain combined at, at what they're planning to do. We are. We could be on the verge of, a, of an energy revolution that might be forced upon us in many ways, but Ireland is a well-placed to do that. But it just, again, it seems, the, gov- it's just, the government seems to be, again, standing on the sidelines and looking at this.
0: Although it's funny, I remember 15 years ago, a governmental solemn promise that within 10 years, we'd be net energy exporters, and we're still a country mile away from that. To that point that Joe is making, Jen, is there a silver lining to this cloud that A, it will probably spell the end of dependence on Russian gas forever for the EU Mm. and it might be the catalyst for a huge upheaval in terms of commitment to renewables.
2: Perhaps so. And I mean, that would be, as you said, the one silver lining to come out of it. But I think what we have to look at is where people are now. And that's really what's concerning um, families and, and people now where are we now yes it's great to look to the future and say we, it might finally move us and kickstart us into actually doing what we need to do but this winter as we face into this winter we need solutions now
0: One of the other things that's uh, making the news a lot today uh, is the suggestion that communions have gotten completely out of hand and that they should shrink back to being a more local family based thing and more of the parish and less of the school. And some of uh, that is thanks to comments made on the Pat Kenny show by Dr. uh, Rather Father Tony Flannery, which are now on the front page of the Examiner. Tony was talking to uh, me yesterday about it. Here's what he had to say about the sacrament.
3: I think because increasingly the ceremonies around Confirmation and indeed uh, First Communion and indeed Confirmation also have very little, if any, religious significance for people. So uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a sham, really, I think, Anton. Uh, it's largely meaningless. Any priest will tell you that the big crowd will come for the day and then they'll go off and they'll have a big family celebration and i'd have nothing against the family celebration i think that's a lovely idea but the religious part of it is largely meaningless the parents don't go to mass the parents probably don't even believe there is no religion in the home so what does this church ceremony mean little or nothing to the large majority of people and uh, you know you're you're just demeaning the whole sacrament,
0: Joshua. Is he right?
1: And that was a very interesting interview, and he made some very interesting points. And you know, I, I'm not, I don't like. There's a, not, a lot of snark and looking down at, at working class families, especially who make a big deal of communions and confirmations, and uh, the bouncy castle Catholics, as, a, as a, I've heard them uh, called before. Um, I don't agree with that because I think that, that's snobbery in a lot of ways, people going on about, oh they're renting out limousines and again, if people want to have a big celebration for their family why not, especially if they're hard-working people that can afford to pay for it. But what Tony Flannery and what the Church and what the Diocese of Dublin is looking at is it, it's, it's basically they're facing up to reality in a lot of ways you know and um, it shows where we're heading as a society and the, the Catholic Church is bowing to the inevitable in many ways. The interesting thing is getting families to register with, with their parishes because before it was just assumed that every single family in the area was Catholic, you know, and, and that's the way it went. What the church is looking to do and what they're going to have to do is to have a more kind of in, uh, one-on-one kind of personal relationship between the parish and individual families who are believers, who have faith and who want to be part their children to be part of the Catholic ethos. It's going to lead go to on. a massive
0: diminution in the number of people that are engaging with yes. the church, though, if that happens, Sean, yes. won't it?
1: It will. It will. Uh, but I think the church has kind of decided, listen, these, these people are gone anyway. You know, uh, we, we need to cater to the, to the actual faithful. We need to cater to the regular mass goers, the people who engage regularly with the church. I think it's just the Catholic church facing up to reality.
0: Well, there's an interesting text saying it's all about the money for the kids now. The parents don't care about the sacrament. They just don't want their kids to feel left out.
2: I don't know. Um, it's funny, I suppose I was la- just in the year gone by or this May, my, my son made his communion and I absolutely think that we need to take the sacraments out of the church. Completely agree with that. I agree also with you. Out of the school, this oh, is. sorry, out yeah. of the school. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need church, to, church yeah. to some degree, yeah. That would be a radical <laughs> that move. That would be very <laughs> radical <laughs> altogether. <laughs> <laughs> out of the schools I mean So I absolutely agree we need to take them out of the schools I do think I mean we've already had to register we've been registering our children for a while you had to register with the parish if your child was going to go ahead and make their communion or their confirmation and the vast vast majority of children within my own children's class so anecdotally they, they make their communion and often the children who don't um, because perhaps they're another religion or perhaps, perhaps they don't believe or whatever the reason their uh, families have chosen they'll often attend the ceremony so they'll often come along But
0: presumably there are are a load of small children in the white dresses and the little suits Mm -hmm. whose parents are, at at best, have a passing relationship to Catholicism. And in reality, because we had people on during the week who were saying, look, I, I, I noticed in this process that I was, quote, Forced to go to mass, and you think? Well, you can't be that dogged a Catholic if you're being forced, forced to go to your own and mass. there
2: is, there is that expectation. But doesn't peer
0: pressure cause people to go through communion?
2: I mean, the parents are all going. Oh, is it one of those? Do this in memory Sundays. Are we, suppo- are we supposed to be there? I think we're actually supposed to be there every Sunday. I think that's the general rule. You're supposed to be there every Sunday. But you're, the, the expectation is you'll go generally around once a month if you're a part of the do, do this in memory program, and it encourages people back. And you know what? Maybe you can see there's a point to it. It gets people going back to mass. They might not have been there since they got their child christened um and then maybe maybe it'll help build a relationship with the church again I don't know if parents are necessarily feeling forced to it I did ask them about this recently and a lot of people felt they wanted it was nearly a hedging their bets you know I have a problem with the church I don't know if I want to you know move away from reli- not religion but maybe God completely but I don't I, I, I'm hedging my bets here a little bit I don't want to break that connection completely maybe there is something in the whole God thing but I have an issue with the church most parents like well, there's something have an strange issue with about the church. Saying
0: I have kind of a bit of spirituality in yeah. me and I sort of believe in a deity of some kind that I'm non-specific about but I'm going to indoctrinate my child into a specific religious di- dogma. If they're
2: anything like me what they're doing is they're going no you see this we don't accept this and we don't accept we don't accept their role on home or their position on homosexuality we don't pose- uh, accept their position on, on women we don't accept a load of the stuff because that's not kind and Jesus teaches kindness and we go you know the, the parents make but that, however, making it very we yes however we're completely hypocrites and we go ahead and get them to make their (laughs) communion and confirmation because it's a partly a cultural thing and partly because we maybe want to hedge our bets and because it's what we've always known and what we've always done and I think that's why you'll still see a lot of parents do it. If they take it out of the school and they put the responsibility back on parents and parents have to try and find the time then you might see it but not necessarily because they don't want them to it's maybe they just don't have time. Interesting
0: text. We want our church services we won't bow to secularism says one my three kids loved making their communion and I loved helping them through the process it was a really special experience for us as a family joe i think you wanted to come in there
1: yeah you know it's funny um it's only when i I, when i used to go abroad to other catholic countries that i kind of realized how much you know whatever my faith or wherever it is now how much of a cultural catholic that i am Mm. and how much of a part of like every aspect of when i was growing up my school the cub scouts the the ga clubs i went to i played with Everything had a Catholic ethos. And it's just staggering. It's sometimes shocking to me when I see how far away um, the, the genera- you know, this generation coming up and my own family and my own peers, how far away we've moved away from the Catholic Church in such a short space of time. But can I ask you, Joe, does,
0: does it matter if one's Catholicism is cultural rather than religious? In other words, yeah. if you use the church to help you with grief and bereavement when somebody dies, yeah. if you use the church to gather your friends and family to recognise your marriage, if you use the church as a community exercise for First Holy Communion to say that we are part of something with a shared culture, does it matter if you don't sign up to the totality?
1: I think I think that's a very good point. And I think what, what people are looking for is the Catholic Church to move in those areas that Jen mentioned and to move towards more where we are as a society today and where the mainstream thought is on on those on the issues that she mentioned, you know. And so I, I think people still feel a great attachment to the Catholic Church and they want to be in many ways a part of it for the, in, on those occasions and for those important life events that you talked about. It's just that what they struggle with is is exactly what you know, women's ordination their policies on on um LGBT, uh, GQ, uh, sorry
0: lgbtq <laughs> plus issues, is, is,
1: i always get mixed up i always get fall up on that so that's what we want to see and i think what what a lot of people want to see there's still a, a big place for the catholic church i think in irish society but it, they have to meet they have to meet their congregations halfway
0: the, the reaction to this is very interesting there's a uh, first of all a very significant reaction but uh, a fairly common theme throughout people saying things like as a teacher I feel it's a disgrace that sacramental prep is still largely the responsibility of schools as if we have time for this mm-hmm. when we have children struggling with numeracy with literacy with other yep. issues another saying surely it's ridiculous to voice the practice of religion on children before they are 18 and can't make up their own mind if they want to be Catholic or not another it's interesting how many love taking our kids to communion and confirmation but don't encourage them on to the priesthood or to be a nun or to yeah, deepen I, their engagement with the church.
2: But I could completely like I would be I, I'm going to be completely honest here if one of my children turned around and said they were going to be a nun or a priest I would lose my mind and I would think that I am very open to stepping back and accepting whatever they want to do with their lives but I would lose my mind. I would not want them to be that invested. In a in a church and an organisation which teaches some of the things that it teaches, and yet there I go, the total hypocrite, and allow them to make their sacraments. But I suppose we'll call like, you back in
0: about fifteen years and see if the there's church, any development it's on it's this front. It's less part.
2: to do with the church <laughs> and more to do. I suppose. Where else do you go if you want to still be part of something?
0: Jen Hogan, thank you very much. And editor of Cork Bio, Joe O'Shea, Joe, thank you as well. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.